This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, June 7th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Secretary of State Tony Blinken talks China with Mike Allen. Plus, Jonathan Swan takes us inside the progressive fight over voting rights. But first, today's one big thing, the hot, dry summer ahead for the American West. The western U.S. is in the middle of one of the worst droughts in at least the past 1,200 years. And soon, the largest reservoir in the country, Lake Mead, could reach its lowest point since it was first built in the 1930s. And if all of that wasn't scary enough, wildfire season is underway. Axios' Andrew Friedman is here to explain all of this. Hey, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me. Andrew, can you explain to me about Lake Mead? What's going on there? What has not happened since Lake Mead came into existence in the 1930s, it has not dropped below, I think it's 1,075 feet. That's an automatic trigger for a water shortage. It doesn't mean that every state in the West that depends on the Colorado River automatically runs out of water. But what it means is it, it redoes the allocations to farmers, to cities, to towns. It automatically shifts what they can do for endangered species, for fish. So it's a symbol of what's going on in the broader West, which is you're stressing a system that's already overstressed. And we're doing it in a time when we expect this to happen more frequently, more severely, and to have more cascading consequences. And I think one way we can see this is looking, for example, at the Sierra Nevada mountains and the snowpack. How did that water repository affect what we're seeing right now? So the snowpack in the Sierra Nevada basically just disappeared in a matter of a couple of weeks. So it was unusually warm in the spring in the Sierra Nevada, and that caused the snowpack to melt. And because the ground was so dry, a lot of that water was not absorbed by the system. And then a lot of it, the, the atmosphere was so warm that the snow just sublimated. It went directly from being snow to being water vapor in the air and essentially disappearing and doing them no good whatsoever. One day they had 42 inches of snow on the ground and about four days later they had zero. And what climate scientists have been worried about and warning about for many, many years is that you're going to get earlier spring snow melts and the snow melt is not going to give you the same water boost that would normally happen pre-climate change. So where does that leave us now that we are in wildfire season? Are communities more prepared this year than last year? You know, fire experts that I talk to all have said, no matter what, this will be a bad fire year. And what happened in 2020 that made it the worst fire season in California history was that you had these distinct 
extreme weather events that happened on top of the dry conditions. So you had a lightning siege, and that ignited a ton of fires. And you also had big wind events. So how many of those types of events are going to occur this summer is a key wild card. Everybody who fights wildfires, monitors them, and studies them is on a hair trigger alert with a to-go bag sitting there. Andrew Friedman is Axios's climate and energy reporter. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. And of course, we're going to be keeping an eye on this. And for those of you who live in the Western U.S., we would love to hear how the drought is affecting your life. You can email us a brief voice memo. Please include your name and where you live to podcasts at axios.com. In 15 seconds, inside an intense weekend for Democrats on voting rights. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Congress is back this week, and House Democrats have some key fights on the table, including over a sweeping voting rights bill. And things got really intense over the weekend. Axios's Jonathan Swan is here now to catch us up. Jonathan, can we just start with a quick reminder? What is this voting rights bill that passed the House in March? It's really the number one priority for many people in the Democratic Party. It's called the For the People Act. And it's it's a federal voting rights bill that would do all sorts of things, including cutting back on partisan gerrymandering, changing campaign finance rules, eliminating the need for voter ID. And there are many Democrats that believe if they don't get this done, they could be locked out of power for many years because of the structural advantages that Republicans enjoy in the voting system. Jonathan, you keep saying many Democrats, but among them, one of the Democrats who do not support this is West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Why is his support so crucial to all of this? Every senator has an effective veto over legislation because the Senate is 50-50 Senate. It makes individual senators extremely powerful. And what he did recently, which has really fired up a lot of progressive Democrats, is he announced in an op-ed his opposition to the sweeping voting rights bill that passed the House. What's been the reaction from progressives to this op-ed that was published yesterday? Furious. So Mondaire Jones is a Democrat from New York, House Democrat. He tweeted, Manchin's op-ed might as well be titled, Why I'll Vote to Preserve Jim Crow. Now, I don't need to tell you that a Democrat directly linking another Democrat to some of the most odious and racist laws in American history represents a new stage in this intraparty fight. I mean, that's obvious. But this is where the fight is heading. There have been many progressives who've been frustrated about this deference, seeming deference to the moderates. And now when it's becoming increasingly clear that Manchin in particular is unwilling to support this voting rights bill, the dam is breaking and you're starting to see progressives come out and, and 
really indict him and call on Biden to put more pressure on him. And they're sort of desperate because they've got no leverage over Joe Manchin. He has all the cards. And this is why you see this kind of venting, is they really don't have any leverage over him. Axios political reporter Jonathan Swan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. The roots of the COVID-19 pandemic are still a contentious mystery. Today, scientists and the U.S. government are looking into the possibility that COVID-19 was leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Axios' co-founder Mike Allen asked U.S. Secretary of State Tony Blinken about this for Axios on HBO yesterday. What the government didn't do in the, in the early days and still hasn't done is given us the transparency. We need the international community, access for uh, inspectors and experts, uh, the sharing of information in real time. That has to happen. Mike, how can the U.S. make this happen? The short answer is the U.S. can't. Uh, the U.S. can bring pressure on China. And Secretary Blinken said that you have to argue that it's in China's best interest, that if China wants to be a responsible international actor, it's got to provide the information. This is a question that had long been dismissed and uh, now suddenly is at the top of the international agenda. Did the Secretary of State say if this is something the U.S. is raising with other countries, with our allies, to work together to try to get China to release this? Another short answer, yes. So, Nyla, we're going to an intense period of diplomacy. Tony Blinken is flying to the G7, a group of seven wealthy countries in England, uh, to meet with allies. And that's ahead of tougher meetings that President Biden is going to have on the continent of Europe, including a summit with Vladimir Putin. Axios co-founder Mike Allen. Thanks, Mike. And I will have the best week. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or find me directly on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.